What an intro. What an intro to this fireside chat. Um, as you can see, that was a trailer for the Assassin's Creed Valhalla video game that Darren and the team at Dare Media Productions created. Um, thank you for joining the stream. Thank you for watching this workshop back in. If you're watching it in the collective as a member, oh, we hope you get plenty of um, plenty of lessons and plenty of value out of this. Um, we appreciate it. Uh, we appreciate you being a member. My name is Jay Woodard. I am the founder of the Creative Collective. Uh, today, I'm going to be chatting to a very um, talented man, a man I've been following his career for quite a while. Uh, for a while, for a very brief while, we were in the same boat where I was doing, um, years ago, I was doing narrative stuff, but obviously Darren's evolved as well, his business evolved. And like um, like myself, you have to, you'd have to evolve, you have to see where your talents lie best. And luckily enough, he's an extremely talented man, and then I, in many different avenues, um, this workshop is brought to you by the Creative Collective. The Creative Collective is a members-only digital platform. It's a digital community where creators like myself and Darren get to reside. We get to share our work with each other. We get to talk to each other. We get to discuss gear, latest projects, ask for advice, ask for help. And as you saw the trailer there, like you need a team to build a, a proper story. And, and, and the reason I chose storytelling as a creator for this workshop is because every brand needs a story like it's so important to have a story even if for corporates or narrative like if there's no story people just there's no point they can't for products and corporates they need a story to relate to they need to they need to be able to affiliate with them they need to go oh, i understand it i can somewhat connect to this brand because of that story or and if it's a narrative and you're telling a story like, like a bedtime story if the bedtime story is no good the child isn't listening and i've learned that the hard way with my two children um, so you have to have a good story. This is an award-winning short film that the team at Dare Media uh, created called The Marksman. I'm going to show you the short film. It's a minute and a half long. I'm going to show you that before I bring Darren in. So I'll bring Darren in there, but uh, here's The Marksman. This line of work teaches you a lot about a person. You can't help but learn about them. You spend days watching them, waiting for the right moment. You see a look in their eyes. You see the tan line where a wedding ring used to be. A scar on their cheek. Was it a childhood accident? Did they start a bar fight? Makes you wonder who they are, who they were who they would become, if not for me. I sometimes wonder if they sense it coming. If right before I pull the trigger, they have an epiphany. And in that moment, they know that their life is coming to an end. Well, I guess not. So simple, a minute and a half, and uh, no wonder it's award-winning. Let me bring in Darren here. Darren, how are you, sir? Hey, Jay, how are you? Thanks for having me. Come here, delighted to have you, and I'm delighted to have you as a member of the collective also. Um, thank you for taking the time, I appreciate it. Uh, talk to me quickly, briefly about the Marksman. How did that come on your desk? Or, or um, you need your mind? The Marksman was written um, and directed by Connor Healy, who would be um, someone of my closest friends. 
And uh, we were looking for a script to submit to the Galway One Minute Film Festival. And Connor does a lot of work up in Galway. So it, it's a festival that's quite close to him. So he really wanted to, to submit for that. Um, and he wrote the script. I won't lie. I, we both thought everybody would see the end coming. Um, but for some reason, people people don't see it. Um, but yeah, like it, it, it did extremely well. Um, won at a good few festivals. Got a good few honorable mentions and things as well. Um, personally, for me, it was a bit of a, um, a kick in the behind and it was a bit of an eye opener in terms of what it was possible to create quite easily. Um, like that, that short film, I think, cost less than 100 euro and we shot it in Great. a few hours. Okay. And, you know, the, the, the key elements to it are, are the costuming, the sound design, you know, like the, mm-hmm. the, there's so much to it, but yet it's so simple. And like, like you say, it, it is, a, it is a, an easy, straightforward piece, but it was just a case of making sure that it was done right. Um, I always kind of found, and you probably would have found the same with that once you have your script, it's fine, but actually creating the world that it's in is the hard part. And like we, myself and Connor were busy looking around, trying to find buildings that would look like they were Middle Eastern as opposed to just going down and, you know, going into a concrete building that stuff that you subtly, your mind picks up and realizes yeah. isn't actually the Middle East. Um, so like that, that, that was shot in an abandoned church up by, um, then it's called the old asylum. Oh yeah. Say Dens. Yeah. So then, yeah. Um, and then literally the wall where Darminder, our, our other actor is standing in front of was literally down by RNH Hall. Just kind of as you turn the corner there, just kind of a yellowish wall. We just we, we just work with that. Um, like, give me mass permission to buy also just literally went out and did stuff, you know. That's the best um, way. Yeah. <laughs> Unless it's corporate, then don't. Um, yes, of course. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> get approval from corporate first. I'll always get approval first. Because they'll come by to bite you. Uh, quick, tell us quickly about your background and where you started and like uh, college and wh- whatever route that you got to that brought you to here. Um, I'm from Tipperary originally. Um, like a lot of people, I didn't know what I wanted to do in the leading search year. So I had happened to be in Dublin with a friend and I saw a course for model making and special effects. So that's great. I'll apply for that. Didn't get it. Um, decided I really wanted it. So I took a year out. Did a portfolio and lived up in Dublin in Stillorgan for a year and reapplied again. Didn't get it. <laughs> um, Just very limited spaces or what was the story? Yeah. I mean, the, it, it literally the only course in the country doing it. So it was like okay. 24 okay. classes for I everyone. Um, they said to me, oh, we like your portfolio, but uh, not quite there. But maybe you should look at film or, you know, something along those lines. So I applied for St. John's College uh, in Cork, just complete other side of the country, and got it. Then ironically, the day I started in Cork, I got offered <laughs> model making and special effects in like the seventh round. It was like the only time it had ever gone that far. Um, I tried to start in Cork at that stage, so I stayed. Mm. And it was kind of where I went from there. Um, what year was that then? That would have been when you landed in, when you started in St. John's. Those are one, those are one. Yeah. Those have six. Yeah, it was about six years after you in St. John's. I was six, seven years after you. Yeah. 
But at the time, in Ireland, it was the best, like, it was one of the best courses for filmmaking. It was so hands-on. Oh, yeah, totally. So, I mean, I mean, it was a three-year course at the time. I think it's two-year now, um, which I, I think knocking down was kind of a good thing because I think there was a lot of theoretical that was... Mm. was yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I still, I would still think that it's one of the best things I did. And I know now with YouTube and everything else, the way things have come on, you don't need to go to film school. But there was still, there's still something about getting that more formal education to it. Um, that plus the extra people that are around you and everything else. Because I, I find, I've always felt since I left college, that as a creator, it's far more lonely. And, you know, there's far less people that you can kind of collaborate. It's not harder to find people. Mm. Now it's easier. But for a good few years, it was quite difficult, I found, to, to kind of mix with people. Unless they were from your college group or, you know, that you knew through college. And, but, um, yeah, I, I think it was, it was a very good course. It was well worth doing. It still is. Yeah, I completely agree. And to this day, like, obviously, um, Ed Kazeski passed away a few, a few weeks back. And he was, did he teach you? Was he one of your lecturers? Uh, he was. Yeah, it was one of my two. And there again, you saw, like, the massive outpour from all the students over years and years that, like, Ed was such a good, such a good teacher. And like he really steered me in the right direction as I was shooting my films. And what what is what, what I loved about the course as well is it, it introduced you to different types of creativity, if that makes sense. Because like I want to do film, I want to shoot movies, I want to do that kind of stuff. But then I ended up directing like seven TV studio pieces. To yes. the studio they have in house. And that's like and it just kind of st- and I loved it. I loved it. It was just very interesting that way that kind of gave you the different aspects of everything, you know? Well, it's good. It's good because like everyone goes in saying I want to direct. Everyone goes in saying I want to direct, and then within six months, it's like, Raymond, yeah. yeah, I'll be an editor. I'm happy to be an editor in the background, <laughs> big time. Um, so you, we, we were just saying that you're obviously a storyteller through and through, and with their with their media. You tell very different types of stories. So you have your corporate, you have the wedding, and then the narrative side, that's kind of to appease you, is that that's kind of to keep your flame and to, to, not, not your flame, but you mean to kind of keep, tick that box for you that you want to keep making narrative kind of like, like Valhalla, like the marks and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I kind of found that as much as I like doing the other stuff, I genuinely do enjoy doing the other stuff. Um, film and narrative storytelling was always. You know, was always what I wanted to do. So, um, I kind of wanted to get back to it. And as I said, after the marksman did so well, it was kind of a kick to to go and do more stuff like that. And um, I personally always found, and I know a lot of other people are the same. It's kind of like you write your script, you have your idea, and then you're kind of going, "Oh no, I couldn't make that. It's too involved." Or, you know, mm-hmm. the effort it's after going to it. And then I think with marksman, the kind of the kind of success that it had, kind of certainly shocked me and made me kind of realize that okay well we get the finger out I can actually I can actually do this stuff so it was just a case then of getting back into it and um, so the pro- a lot of that projects are kind of they're three quarters for me and then the other quarter is, is for the business in the sense that you know they're grand epic kind of stories that are difficult great, it's great for the show real yeah exactly exactly yeah yeah. So with with them, with like say, someone, what do you so what do you where do you start with the script? Where do you start with the story? Like, do you have a checklist that you kind of will go through a script saying, right, 
there's no kind of main character arc we need to fix that like where do you what are the foundations of a story for you that when you look at a script and it's missing something you automatically see that's missing that um i suppose for me it kind of depends on what it is first um in the terms of in terms of whether it's it's narrative or if it's a trailer or, or you know that kind of thing um if it's a narrative it's a sh- if it's a short i think very much start with the idea of of you know your your main character's journey and where they're going um but they have to be going somewhere there has to be some there has to be some beginning middle end um or at least there has to be a beginning and an end if it's something very very short like you know you, you need to have a punch to it you need to have a punchline at the end whereas it's very easy for a script or for an idea to like start very well and you go okay and the guy's a sniper but then you don't know where you're going to take it. So that's, to me, you have to work on where you're going to finish as well. And it's not like television. I think sometimes with television series, you know, the way the, the writers are always saying they don't know where they're going to end up with the story. I think when it's something more one-off or if it's a more condensed kind of area, you have to work on where it's going to end up or at least have an idea of what you see as, as finishing. And that'd be the first thing for me. And then after that, then I kind of look at okay, well, how can I place that world? So, like, for instance, just going back to the Marksman again, it's set in the Middle East. So how do we show Cork as being the Middle East? So for us, it was a case of, right, um, we're going to go on the story box or Pond 5 or whatever it was and find ourselves a stock bit of, and that was Illusion, I think, a clip was of. Um... You need that establisher. Once you have that, people would say, okay, this is, it's overseas, Middle East. It it can be generic, but that's the Middle East that kind of sets you off. And then it's kind of, you go from there in terms of, for me, like placing those characters and developing who they are in that world. And like, I'd very much be a visual storyteller in the sense that I really feel you have to, to place those characters visually, you know, and can't just be a guy in a building it can't just be just a one-off situation it's like mm-hmm. the material and stuff like that you have to know that they're vikings you have to establish where they are where they're going um and i think it's it people often forget it's a lot easier to do that than they necessarily think you know and um, like again with the marksman it's you have that initial shot that establishes where it is you never leave that building after that you, you don't have to you know um your sound design and everything else will help carry that story forward and, and keep you kind of rooted in that. So I, that those are the kind of elements that I kind of look at then in terms of the develop yeah. beyond initial script idea, you know. There's also the simplicity of it where not to overthink a scenario because not many writers get away with too much dialogue. I think one example is Tarantino where he writes a lot of, a lot of dialogue but it works. And yeah. then if 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 you go off on a tangent and you're you're giving too much away, it just drags out, doesn't it? It, it makes an hour and a half movie feel like a two and a half hour long movie, and people are like, "Geez, that felt so long," or whatever. That if like if you give too much, be it a half an hour movie, ten minutes short, whatever it is, I like a lot of the time. I don't like one that always goes next to me when I was in school, and you might remember it was a short movie that, like the Marks one, won a lot of awards and stuff. Was he dies in the end? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, was he? Okay. Yeah. So, like, it was just so simple. Literally, the title of the movie was, he dies, it's a short movie, it's two minute long or three minute long, he dies in the end, 
and it's just one guy in a room in a kind of a house wasn't it, an apartment to look around the place but it was just so perfect i think it was an office or something like that he's yeah said he's... oh that's right that's right that's right and just so tense the music was like the music was perfect it was just so simple and it was one character and it was just done so well if you could I'm, I'm sure it's on youtube if you, you want to go check it out well, it, 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 yeah. Um but Jamie Dickin like, has actually just shot his second feature film, actually. Oh so, wow, okay. Some little Is he in again. Ireland still or he is, yeah. He is he's down he's down in West Cork. He's um nice. based. Um but it's it's funny that you that you mentioned that because like I was literally going to say that I think you should be able to tell the vast majority of a of a story, especially if it's a short with the sound off or with the sound, you know, the dialogue turned off, you know, if you can still get the basic gist of what's happening, if the TV's on mute, then you're doing okay. Whereas mm-hmm. you have to throw in this mass of dialogue. I mean, it can help. It, obviously it, it helps it and then it grows on top of it. But I mean, if, if you can't guess the basic story without it, I think you're going to struggle, you know? Hmm. And narratively speaking, and, I'll come back to Valhalla in a second and stuff. What kind of stories attract you to projects? If, if, I, if, so, if someone's going to do the script, and what would you want that script to go? Yeah, I'm in. For me personally, I I, I need there to be a strong set of characters. Um, the characters need to be well developed. It's very easy to write a script and say, John goes to the bar. John is twenty four. But it, it doesn't tell you more about John or wh- why should you root for John to get where he's mm. going, what he needs to do. Um, I, I, I think personally that I get turned off if a script is draft one straight away. I mean, because obviously you should always go back and rewrite your, your work and everything else. But I think that the character needs to be developed and you need to, need to be able to get more of an essence than just having a blanket person that could be anyone in your script. No, they need to have something. They need to have some kind of the defining feature about them, be it that they're they have a, a strength, or maybe they're maybe it's the other side of it. Maybe they're intensely shy or afraid or something. But there needs to be something that people can kind of resonate with. You know, um, I think that very much comes from the writing side. But I mean, when I look at a script, I look at the characters and then I look at what's actually, you know, what's the plot, where are they going? But I mean, personally, action's always been my thing. I've always been a thriller person. Um, like, they need to be doing something dramatic as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Unless, unless there's a real good laugh to it, you know? Yeah. You know? Yeah, I've made, I've made both action, I've made Western, I've made comedy. And it's always the action that brings me back. It's just, it's what I grew up with. It's the ironies, the predators, the Van Dams, all this kind of stuff. It's just Stallone... I know what it is. It's just resonated with me for that, like, you know. I always, funnily enough, I really liked, I know other people didn't, I really liked um, Wanted, you know, the James McAvoy. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Julie. And I think, I think a lot of people liked those characters because we liked to picture ourselves in the characters. Like, these characters do things that often we could never do, you know. Oh. I, I really liked that about Wanted, the whole, the whole thing about the film. It wasn't about assassins and everything else that was kind of the bar of the plot. It was the fact that this guy was becoming 
who he was meant to be. He was growing from this really shy person into this outgoing person who's not afraid of anything. And and I think that's what draws an awful lot of people. I think that's why superhero movies and Marvel movies and everything are so popular. Mm. It's that age old thing of, you know, they do the things we want to be or want to do, but we never could, you know? I think if Wanted was released today, it would be accepted a lot more by public. I think it was just ahead of its time where people were like, oh, it's a comic movie where they can just shut their mind off. It's a comic book movie and I'll yeah. enjoy it. Do you know what I mean? Because I think it was around the time, was that around the time of Batman Begins and Dark Knight where Nolan had taken kind of the serious tone yeah. to this stuff? So. Yeah, same kind of time so frame, right? The public weren't happy that, like, they're like, no, our comic books are now serious. We don't want, you know, curving bullets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Curving bullets. You know, I love yeah. it. It's a great, it's a great little movie. It's a great action movie, like you know, very enjoyable. Um, it's a great little series of books as well. I love uh, um, graphic novels as well. But, um, so, when it, are you slated to do the new Assassin's Creed movie, or what's the crack? <laughs> um, here's hoping. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I so tell me what game of both. Um, basically, it's funny because I I did a couple of the other bits and pieces myself and. What I ended up doing was I, I, I ended up sending scripts to them and saying, oh, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And the problem with big corporations is it takes ages for anything to be decided. Um, but the last one we did, Siege of Paris, they they were an unofficial partner in a way in that I was onto them looking for, I told them I was doing it regardless, um, but I, I wanted their support and it was a case of, the the new the new DLC was coming out. It was it was you know um, Siege of Paris was the the last one, and uh, basically I said, guys, look, I I want this to be accurate to the game. So can you give me some information? Can you give me some help? And I was back and forth for ages. There was no sign of anything happening. Then they said, okay, yeah, we're going to have to get you to sign an NDA, and then we'll send you on some details, some some sketches, concept art, stuff like that. And I signed the NDA and then literally two hours later, they released the exact same images to the public, which <laughs> rendered the whole, the whole thing moot. <laughs> oh, fuck's sake. That's crazy. <laughs> crazy. But, uh, yeah. Like it was, I mean, it was great because I had, I had plenty of managers, you know, low level managers and everything trying to do their best to help that one yeah. and everything. But people like that's cool. just, you know, it's uh it's a struggle. It's a constant struggle. So we'll yeah. see now. Um, but how did it come about? So the first one you did was, um, what was the first Assassin's Creed one you did? Uh, well, the first one I did was that one you showed the, the BTS video for. And um, that yeah. was right after the that was set here. But I'd actually done um, Ghost Recon videos beforehand. Yeah, that's right. With Patrick's and... Um... Uh, that one is it? That was actually that was a different one. Was it Act, Xbox? That was, in, that was in a Call of Duty video. Um, That's it. Which was the first one I ever did of anything like that, and it was kind of like a spiritual successor to the the Marksman in a way because it was a, so similar. Um, the funny story with that, uh, I shared a couple of the pictures of screen grabs of that after we shot it. And I had tagged a bunch of the Call of Duty people and the actors and stuff. Now, the whole reason we sharing it was just so that they'd see it and say, you know, it was kind of a here, look at us. But at the time, uh, Warzone, which is the, most, the free multiplayer, was mm-hmm. slated to come out. And there was a massive, massive interest. 
what I didn't realize was that lots of people took that this was screenshot from the actual trailer being released by the company. Um, and I ended up getting inundated with these random messages going, when's it coming out? When's it coming out? And then people were actually thinking that Pat Flitt's side face was Lee Shriver. <laughs> Don't tell Pat then. Don't tell Pat that. <laughs> <isn't it? laughs> um, That's hilarious. Yeah. And it was kind of a case, it went from that into Ghost Recon. And then after that, the Ghost Recon stuff did relatively well. They were very simple kind of ideas as well. And after that, then I kind of ended up getting contacts within the company. And it was just a case of creating material enough that I could kind of pitch it forward to them and, and just kind of, you know, eventually they would see it and kind of eventually just getting in touch with people and, and going from there. Yeah. And do you know what? It's, it's, it's not that it's easy, but it's a lot easier than it was to contact these companies and to get seen by these companies, you know? If you think back to when you were in college and you did this, if you did this back then, you weren't being seen by Ubisoft or you weren't being seen by anyone, you know, because oh, no, no, there no. was YouTube, there was, but there wasn't at the same time, you know. The world is so connected now. I mean, the world is so connected. And at least the good thing with a lot of these, with the game traders and things like that is they, they unlike a lot of the film studios, I mean, if you make a fan film of a Marvel movie or a Disney product or something, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you'll get a cease and desist letter. Get them burning, being told to go away. Um, whereas other game developers, they appreciate the communities more because you know we're physically playing their game, so they like to interact more with their communities. So it's quite good, and they're a lot more open, I think, and large extent in terms of getting in touch with people, and they're what they're more open to listening and things like that. Yeah, so that's yeah, would be big plus there. Big, and they help promote you. I remember, like we did a Max Payne one when Max Payne Three was coming out. And I remember that Rock, actually. Yeah, remember yeah, that. yeah, Rockstar jumped on and they, they shared it and they tagged us on Twitter and stuff. I was like, "Fucking hell, this is crazy good!" Like, do you know what I mean, yeah, that support is insane for someone like four lads from Cork just messing around with the camera. Like, yo, it's it's an instant audience. Um, the only thing I've kind of found is that you need to keep doing it because obviously with with everything that's happening now, it needs to be a consistent outlay. You need to be constantly making stuff because otherwise, you do tend to fall back. Into the I mean, shadows. It's always been like that. You're only as good as your last movie. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Do you know? You're really, it's so true. Like you're only as good as your last movie. Like still all today. But so you've gone from you have the narrative side. You're working on Valhalla or the Assassin's Creed shorts. Like you did the the Celtic uh, version of that as well. And but then you also like you have to pay the bills. You can't just yeah. be doing this kind of passion projects stuff. So you you have to work corporate. Tell me about corporate storytelling where. How does it work for you? Is it, is it a company approaches you and then you sit down with them and kind of understand their bones and then pull a story out of them? Or do you prefer when they come to you with an, an, an outline of an idea and then you can kind of run with that? I prefer if they come to me with an idea um, purely because, and I think Julie had said this in the last talk as well, I don't know, I don't know enough about them and, and I don't know about their product. I might know the bare basics, but I don't know enough to sell it. Um, like I, I worked in retail sale. I worked, I, I sold electronics for Sony for years. Uh-huh. And um, if you didn't know the products, you can't sell them. You know, someone comes in, you have to be able to tell them the 10 top features that it has. You know, it's the same if you're trying to do something for them in terms of product video or, or an advert or works or something like that. You have to be able to tell what the product is. So I, I always prefer if they come to me with the idea and then we kind of sit down and flesh it out from there. 
and kind of just, I mean, I'd kind of say then, right, well, what's your key goal? Same as, as general marketing. It's like, are you trying to raise awareness? Are you trying to sell it? Are you trying to build your audience? What are you trying to do with it? And kind of work then with a story and idea from there in terms of, of what you're doing. Um, I always kind of find as well that if you can put a personal element to it, um, it's like, you know, the way a, a big, fit, big fad right now is product videos, you know, like, um, do you know Austin Paul? Yeah. 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 Like Austin Paul like has got really good at this and he has a course and everything. But everybody is creating these these commercials where it's a drinks can or something and you're pouring it into a glass and you've got to turn nation like yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh bullshit everything. And they're all identical. There's there's no there's nothing that sets them apart. I mean mm. technically very, very good and I think everyone should do one just to learn how. But there's nothing to set it apart from anything else. What makes you want to buy that product or what makes you want to to actually engage with, with that business, you know? And and like you said before, it like it's a company story is is just as important as if it was a narrative. You have to have some reasoning, some thought. It's like storytelling is emotion, you know, you have to feel something when you when you look at it and as fancy as a slow motion can pour is like it's not really going to do much, you know. Yeah, I think I think those things have they definitely have its place, like you said. Um, maybe the, because it's the like of the short attention span, the six second attention span. That's what they're doing it for, maybe, and that's why they're focusing on that. But I think people should definitely focus on those kind of things to be the legs of a story, yeah. and then have the body be the main kind of narrative story. Like yeah. pure example of kind of a brand adapting was I thought it was brilliant was. Jameson did a, f- a three episode podcast on their story. Yeah. You, you, you can download the Jameson story, just learn it over 35, 40 minutes. And then, like, you'll always know the Jameson story. Every time you see it in a, in a restaurant or a bar or off license, you'll know the Jameson story. And that, that, as you said, that resounds with you. And that makes you want to buy that product because you understand and know that product and where that came from, you know? And after a couple of drinks, then you're going to be telling your buddies that story as well. <laughs> yeah, you get that guy that really yeah, telling them everything. They're like, God, shut the hell up with you. <laughs> Sorry, me, to be fair. We've all been there. And then you you told me before the call as well, you're doing some weddings as well. How are you finding that? Because obviously that's another form. That's a completely different form of storytelling. But uh, Yeah, yeah. That's that's a whole other it's a whole other kettle of fish. And that's something I've done for the last... Oh, I'd say eight, nine years, kind of. I, I don't do many numbers, but I kind of keep up with a fairly consistent amount. Just it is money in the bank, to be quite honest, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but you have to, you have, you have to keep the numbers up because you would fall behind in that, in that, in that. Oh yeah, that game because there's so many, so much competition as well. Like totally, and again, there it's storytelling again. And um, like what I tend to do with those kind of things is, I love to take the speeches, you know, and. Assuming you've got a nice romantic kind of couple, and you've got your 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 highlight reel, and you've got your your snazzy shots of the day, but then mm. you're overlaying that with the the audio of the guy's speech, you know, telling her how much he loves her, and uh-huh. well, then fifteen years ago on a beach or whatever, and it kind of that's where to me that's where your story element comes in then because we're using the story in their own words. Um, I think that kind of stuff is 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 easier in an, in a way because. You have a captive audience, you know. You're that that couple are going to love the footage of themselves anyway. Oh. But you're kind of adding on top of that 
especially if you can add in the romance side to it. But um, yeah, it, that to me is an easier sell then than some of the corporate stuff because obviously you're selling you're selling that then to complete strangers, you know. Well, big time. And again, it's so important because if you get that if you get that wrong, do you mean oh, yeah. get that story wrong? <laughs> like they, I like I. Again, I used to shoot weddings. I, I, I got out of it because I couldn't... Like My parents were wedding photographers for years and I couldn't... It baffled me when Dad my, was like, oh, we're booked until 2024. And this was like four years ago. Yeah. Like, oh my God, I couldn't I couldn't deal with that where I could think, right, I'm, I'm somewhere in four years or five years and now I'm there. Like, or I'm like, whoa. Do you know, it's just, I had to get out. But again, I love doing it. As you said, it's very... I think it's, when you see your lovely edit that you've done, it's very rewarding. A winning yeah. story, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, no, it really is. That that that's it's funny because like all filmmakers are like, Oh, I do it for the audience. Like, oh, we do it for ourselves. We do it because mm. we like what we create, you know. And yeah. it helps them what people like it. But at the end of the day it is for yourself. Yeah, most of the views on my videos, any video of me are me. <laughs> Just watching it back. Uh right, we're finished up now, but give us a nugget of information you think for a storyteller if they're if they're beginning if they're not done it for a while and coming back to us are there a seasoned pro kind of they're just what to you is a main element that all storytellers must have um I think you need to find the heart of it plain and simple I mean you should be looking at getting an emotion across I mean especially if it's if your narrative I mean obviously develop the characters you know, sit down with that script and develop the characters more than anything else. Where they go and how they get there can be anything from a small journey to a big massive adventure. It doesn't matter, but the characters have to be good. You have to believe them. You have to want them to win. You know, it's too easy to write horrible villains and, you know, eventually characters, but like, they they do say that the best villains are characters you root for. You know, that it's the same with your but your protagonist, you want them to win, so you know you need to build that that up. You know that's that applies just as well between narrative, but also with commercial work or anything else. You do have to work on that one night, and that's you have to find, like if it's a commercial or if it's something like that, you need to find that emotion that you want people to feel. You know, blood triggers and things like that. You make them for a reason. It's because yeah, you know, you can get that across. So I would say before you do anything else, just kind of work on that. And um, but then after that, I would certainly say your step two should be building the world that they're in. You know, building, believing that the characters are real, believing the world they're in is real. Um, if it is a drinks commercial or something like that, that you have something else to tie the drink to you to the, to the viewer rather than just pouring a glass. You know, and. Uh, the, like you say the history of Jameson or whatever that you have something else that kind of brings emotion out that's where you need to sit down more the shooting I think the shooting shooting is actually the easiest part once you have all that other work done mm. it's all and comes together yeah shooting is all prep just having everything ready to go everything in place yeah. it's telling a story be it costuming or anything else all that stuff has to be done beforehand and get all that organised yeah shooting don't first just yeah and then don't forget that all st- a lot of stories have been saved in the edit as well. The pure example is Jaws. Yeah. So if you're yeah. even through production, you're not happy with this, it can still be saved. Still be saved. Worst case, we always reshoot in some cases, you know? 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Funny, a funny thing, actually, the, with the, the first Rat of the Druids, the, the Irish one that we did, um, oh, just the Rat of the Druids is the Assassin's Creed version. Uh, Assassin's Creed. Creed. Yeah. It was the first one. That just for the year. We, we shot on a boat, that were a Viking boat down in Waterford and we had a green screen behind it. And the plan initially was to put that scene into the video. It's going to be the opening. Um, but through the jigs and the reels of it, we couldn't guess the footage looking good enough. It just looked really bad. Lighting wise, or what was screen? How big was the green screen? How big? Um, it was two passes of green screen. It was you know if, you know as you went to Waterford City, there's like a Viking boat. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So we got permission to shoot that with the traffic going just right by okay. us, honking as we were. That's uh, hilarious. And we did the whole, the old Star Trek thing where the, the guys were bobbing up and down as though they were in the big. <laughs> the ship was perfectly still. But, um, brilliant. The green screen was, it just didn't have time to get it done. And, um, it just looked terrible. So I cut it, completely cut it. Um, what then was six months later, we were rolling around and doing another Assassin's Creed, the second one. And I said, you know what? I gotta get that, that stuff done. So we actually took the, part that we shot for the first video that was cut got somebody else to do I, I had a brilliant intern over from Spain who was very good with um, compositing and things like that and uh, he completely cut out the actors from the back of the boat or copied it on to a fresh clip of a Viking ship and everything else saved the whole nine water it's the shot it's the shot in the water approaching is that at the start yeah yeah nice so, yeah so that was actually shot completely like six months before for a completely different video um, but it just, it was a nice way of tying it in. So like, even if you shoot, I, the moral of the story is even if you shoot something, always keep it, keep it in the back of your mind because you never know when down the road, it might come in handy for something else. Yeah. Big time. That's awesome. Last one for you. How many drafts or too many drafts? How many drafts of a script are too many? <laughs> or are there any? I say seven, but. What's your number? What's the highest draft you've ever granted? Highest draft I ever went up was like 10, at which point I'm <laughs> yeah. nearly threw it away. Yeah, exactly. If it's not working, it's not working. I hear you. Well, look, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it, man. And I uh, thank you for being a founding member also of the collective. I really appreciate you being there and giving your support and feedback when I was building the collective. Um, But no, I thank you. And thank you again for the time. I appreciate no it. Worries. Thanks for having me on. All the best, my man. I'll see you soon. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. There you are now, Darren Amandy from Dare Media. What a gentleman. Um, do check out his stuff, Dare Media, uh, uh, daremediaproductions.com. I could be wrong, but check out just Google Dare Media Cork uh, and you'll get them. But um, also Dare Media um, on Instagram. Go to our stories. We've been tagging them all day and stuff and my personal stories as well. But check out the Valhalla. Check out the rats of the the, the other versions of the, the Assassin's Creed. The Marksman's there as well. And his other stuff is there. It's, it's just... What gets me as well is the visual. Like the visual, he just the 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 team just really get the visual across really well, um, and it really sells. Like even before the story said, you're there, you're in that area, you're you're in that world, and it's it's class. Um, thank you for tuning. Thank you for tuning in. I appreciate it. I hope you got some nuggets of information and it helps. Um, if you are interested in joining the collective, you can check us out at mycreatorcollective.com, or you can check us out on any social media as mycreatorcollective. Um, the collective is a digital only. Um, sorry, uh, uh, members only community for creators like myself and Darren who just share 
like we said, like today, like having a coffee and chatting about experiences in college and whatever it is we're there was book club and there's many different aspects that I'm not selling to you right now because I'm not very good at selling. But do check out mycreatorcollective.com. Uh, I appreciate your time. And if you do have any questions, you can email the team at team at mycreatorcollective.com or just check out anything. Check out the website for all details. Thank you so much, guys. Have a great evening or day or morning or whenever you're watching this. And um, we'll see you soon. Thank <laughs> you.